Let's pray together. Father, thank you for Jackson. Thank you for uh, him reading this text for us this morning. Thank you for the truth that this text gives us and understanding that this text gives us about who you are and about your nature. And we just pray in the next few moments that you would help uh, this text come alive for us, that this text would really uh, open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts to what it is that you want to teach us this morning. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, good morning. My name is Justin. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, if you haven't, if you're a guest with us this morning, thanks for thanks for uh, being here. Thanks for joining us. Um, we are walking through the Gospel of John together, and so we are we are currently in the the seventh chapter of John. And so uh, I totally uh, can understand if you're just showing up here for the first time. And you're like, why in the world are we starting the year talking about circumcision? That's kind of interesting. Um, well, there's a reason for that. It's because this is what's slotted for us on the calendar today, January, uh, January uh, the 8th, to be talking about John 7. And so uh, we find ourselves in this second section, and it's important that we kind of have some context of, of what's going on. And so I, I want you to know that there are a lot of different facets in John chapter 7 that we could look at. And any one of those facets would, would be extremely helpful to us today. But I'm wanting to take a major theme that has really surfaced previously in, in previous texts that we looked at and help us really press in this morning to this idea. And I can't think of any better way to start the year but asking ourselves, how do we not miss Jesus this year? Like at the end of the day, I, I don't want to miss Jesus. I, I want to hear Jesus. I want to see Jesus. I want to seek Jesus. I, I just want our eyes and our gaze to be filled with Jesus. As Wes read, Psalm 27.4 has really surfaced as a theme. We're really wanting to press our church in. Uh, you'll hear that in, in this sermon this morning. Um, but... The idea is we, we don't want to miss Jesus. We, we want to know, like, what is Jesus up to in the world? Where is Jesus at work? How can we come alongside and join him? And, uh, and, and we've seen people in this passage, in previous passages, miss Jesus. We see that, that Jesus here, as we started John chapter 7, Jesus has gone up to the Feast of the Booths. Now, this started, uh, Jesus' brothers were like, hey, come, let your glory be on display. And he's like, no, I'm not going publicly. But eventually, it says he does go privately. And so he doesn't go at the demands or commands of his brothers to go up in a very public display of, of, in, in really trying to draw attention to himself. Uh, he goes in privately, and the text tells us as we started today that he's going to go, and he doesn't just go up and show up at the feast and begin celebrating. He goes into the temple, and he begins to teach, and uh, Jesus is, is going to be seen as, as being very controversial in this, and I hope you see that in the controversy that Jesus is stirring, it's out of love for people to know who he is. He wants people to know his true nature his true character. Now, what's interesting in this is uh, this whole chapter is filled, 
filled with questions of people trying to understand uh, the identity of Jesus. And so even if we, we look back up in, in verse 11, it says the Jews were looking for him at the feast. So there, there are people that are looking for Jesus. And they say, where is he? And there was, there was much muttering about them among the people. While some said, he's a good man. Others said, no, he's leading people astray. And so there's, there's all these different understandings and beliefs about who Jesus is. And I'm sure if we were to do a survey across the room and we were to ask who is Jesus? Uh, we would have some different answers that surface. If we were to go and do kind of man-on-the-street videos and just kind of walk our neighborhoods and ask people, who is Jesus? We're going to get some different answers. And what Jesus is coming to do, Jesus is coming to clearly identify himself and, and so that they, they can understand and know the true identity of who Jesus is. And, and, and that's no different than, like I said, our culture today. Lots of questions, lots of different understandings, lots of different beliefs about who is Jesus. And, you know, some say he's a good man. Some say he's a good teacher. Some say he's a heretic. Some say saying he's demon-possessed. Some saying he is, is a sinner because he hangs out with sinners. There's all these different understandings. And, uh, and what we're hopefully asking today and what we're hopefully coming to uh, is how do we not miss out on Jesus? It's easy to posture ourselves in this passage with the, the guys who stand along to the side of Jesus and are like, we're with Jesus. We know who he is. Uh, but I think we have to ask ourselves, maybe, maybe I'm the one who's actually opposed to Jesus. Maybe I'm the one who doesn't see Jesus as I rightfully should. Maybe I'm the one who is questioning the, the authority of Jesus. Maybe I'm the one who is not fully submitted to the will of God. And in the same way, as Paul comes at the end of Acts 28, and it says that he is pleading and seeking to convince people about Jesus, he quoted Isaiah, and he said this, For this people's hearts has grown dull, and with their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their heart and turn, and I would heal them. And we hear all these, these senses, these understanding of, of being able to see to hear, to perceive, to understand with the heart. And ultimately, that's what I believe Jesus is up to in John chapter 7. I believe that Jesus is out to make himself known to a people, so he's challenging different beliefs. He's challenging different thoughts and patterns. And I love it. If you know John Piper, John Piper said John chapter 7 verse 17 changed his life. Changed his life. He said in 1967, he's at Wheaton College. He reads John 7, 17, and it for, forever radically changes his life. The way he sees Jesus is completely different. And so I hope today I, I give that introduction into, I, I think it's timely as we step into a new year, how do we not miss Jesus? How do we hear him? and actually hear him? How do we see him and actually see him? Because they're hearing him. They're seeing him, but not seeing him. They're hearing him, but not hearing him. And so how do we awaken the senses so that we don't miss out on Jesus this year? And so in John 7, 14, it says, about the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and he began teaching. 
okay? You can imagine uh, Jesus wasn't invited to go into the temple and began teaching. You can imagine it'd be a little strange if someone came up and took the mic this morning and said, I'm going to begin teaching you. And as they began to teach, they, it says they marveled. Now, this wasn't a marveling in the sense of they're, they're, they're amazed or like taken back of astonished by what he's saying, but more about how he's saying it. And that's where they don't really hear Jesus. They don't really hear. And we, we have no uh, clear description of what Jesus taught. They're basically just talking about how he taught. And so Jesus begins teaching, and it says they marveled, and they said, how is it that, a, that this man has learning? He's educated, yet he's never been discipled by a rabbi. Like, he's never had this, this, this kind of Jewish idea of coming under a teacher and, and being discipled and raised up in this culture, but yet he's teaching when he has never studied. And they're basically going, Where, where's your diplomas? Where are your credentials? You know, for us, you know, we, we like to hang those on the wall. Not because we necessarily want to show off to people like, hey, we graduated, but it's like we paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for that piece of paper, right? So we got to do something with it. But they're asking Jesus for his credentials. They're asking, how in the world, like, what authority do you come? And so they totally do not hear Jesus, And I really believe that for us, if we're not going to miss Jesus in 2023, we got to hear him. We got to hear him. Now, I'll just ask you a question. How do we hear from Jesus? And I want you to think about that for you personally. How, How do you hear Jesus? We're... We're combating a lot of noise in our culture. There's a lot of voices in our culture. Do you hear Jesus in the midst of it? As Jesus walks up, he begins teaching. They don't hear what he says. They miss it. Now, sometimes we don't hear what Jesus says because we don't like what Jesus says. We don't want to be obedient to what Jesus says. And my question is, is, do you want to hear the voice of Jesus this year? What I believe that Jesus is doing is Jesus is going, and he does go to the feast. He does show up. He is making himself known. And he begins to speak as one with authority. Do you hear Jesus? Do you obey the authority of Jesus? Or do you cover your ears? In Acts chapter 7, verse 57, when Stephen was crying out and testifying about the reality of Jesus, it says that the people persecuting him cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears. And I think some of us, it's easy for us to stop our ears when it comes to the things of Jesus. We may not intentionally go about stopping our ears and saying, but we fill our ears with so many other voices and so many other things. We may hear what this pastor says or John Piper says or this teacher says, but we don't truly hear from Jesus. 
And I just want you to know that Jesus wants to speak to you. And I think that's such a gift because we look at this passage like Jesus is not stepping into the scene just because he's got an agenda to bring or something to prove. He loves these people and wants them to know him. And I think what a great gift for us this morning to know that Jesus actually wants to speak to us. Jesus actually wants to teach us. Are we listening? Are we listening? It goes on in this passage, and it says, About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up to the temple, and he began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that a man has learning when he has never studied? If you go to Acts chapter 3 and 4, you see that Peter and John were identified in the same way. They began to teach as people with authority. They were unschooled, educated men, but they recognized them as people who had been with Jesus. People who listened to Jesus begin like you begin to look like Jesus and speak like Jesus. So Jesus answered them in verse 16. My teaching is not mine. Jesus could have easily at that moment said, well, uh, you may not know this, but I'm the son of God, and uh, I've come to save the world from their sins. I've been sent here uh, by God, uh, but I've actually existed since the beginning of time. I was here long before you were, and he could have totally unraveled all the credentials, all, but he doesn't. And in this moment, he just points to the glory of God. My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God. Now, that, that statement, if anyone's will is to do God's will, is, is uh, I think, a, a challenging, if, if you desire to do what God desires, if you want to do what God wants you to do, and you're like, well, how in the world do I do what God wants me to do? Because I feel like it's easy for me to do what I want to do. And I think that's a lot of us, right? And so are we truly seeking Jesus? I think if we're not going to miss out on Jesus this year, we want to seek, what does he want us to do? Do we even know? And that's what I love that God has given us his word. Because God, God has said, this, this is the way in which I want you to walk in the way in which I walked. I want you to do the things that I did. I want you to teach the things that I teach. I love in um, the, the new Chosen film, it, it, one of the recent episodes, it, it's a picture and description of Jesus sending out the disciples. And, uh, you know, we read in, in, in Jesus sending out the disciples two by two, and he says, you know, hey, don't, don't take anything with you. Like, don't take any resources. Take clothes that are on your back, you know, and, and go. And, and they're, they're asking, and we don't get a lot of this. You know, there's, there's a lot that uh, the chosen kind of fills out in the story. And I think, like, there's a lot of speculation, right? And so, but I think it's helpful for us to think about them going and proclaiming the good news. And they're like, what are we supposed to teach? And he's like, just teach what I taught you. Everything I've taught you, you go and teach. And what I love about that is that it's available to us. We know what Jesus taught. We know, are we seeking that? 
If we're not going to miss out on what Jesus has for us this year, it, it starts with us seeking him. It tells us in this passage in verse 16, if anyone's will is to do God's will, you want to do what God wants. Do you know what God wants for your life? Do you have any idea like what God desires for you this year? Have you taken a moment to pause, to reflect, to think, to make space, to build margin, to go, God, what do you want for me in this year? Because I guarantee that he has something to say about it. I guarantee that he has resources that he wants to provide to help you grow into that. I I guarantee that, and one of the questions we've asked Church of the Valley family members this year as we've started the year is, what is it that God is, is asking you to step into this year that we as a church can even come alongside and support? Because we believe that God is asking us to step into something. We believe that God wants to do something. And I believe that he wants to align our will with his will. And he wants to align our desires with his desires. But we have to seek those to know those. We have to seek those to know them. It says in verse 18, the one who speaks on his own authority seeks his own glory. We've we've talked a lot about glory hunger and that's, that surfaced. We saw that in John the Baptist. John the Baptist was not someone who was hungering for his own glory. He pointed people to Jesus. Every time someone came to him and said, are you, are you the Messiah? Are you, you the prophet? And he says, I'm not the Christ. And he pointed people to Jesus. Disciples left John the Baptist and went and followed Jesus. He pointed people to Jesus. Jesus, over and over again, Jesus is not hungering for glory. He's not going uh, to the feast to be popular. He's not showing up uh, to seek this world, worldly desire for uh, affection or, or popularity. It says early on, I think in John chapter 2, that it says he knew what was, he didn't entrust himself to man because he knew what was in a man. And so we see this idea of not seeking, uh, Jesus is not seeking his own glory. But it says that he who seeks his own glory, ultimately speaking on his own authority. Now what's interesting about this is, this is how Jesus proclaims and validates his message. Because Jesus is going, there's nothing to gain for me in this except crucifixion. There's nothing for for me to gain in in coming and proclaiming this truth. One, the truth is going to be rejected, and it's only the person who is not coming to seek his own glory that you can believe. Right? We all know, like, the salesman. If the salesman has something to gain, he's trying to sell, he's trying to make a pitch to you, he's seeking his own glory, he's seeking his own riches, he's seeking his own resources from that. That This, this shows that message should be questioned. But Jesus is saying, I didn't come on my own authority, and I'm not seeking my own glory. And that's why the message I come to speak to you is one of true. That it's it's a true. It's not false. You can believe the message that I've come to share. But what I would say is with this idea of seeking, seeking our will, seeking our own glory gets in our way of seeking Jesus. 
And so ultimately, Jesus comes. He's proclaiming. He's teaching. We want to hear from him. Jesus comes, and one of the things that he is teaching is that we can easily seek our own glory. And the seeking of our own glory will get in the way of our experiencing of Jesus. My question maybe to us today is, um, how is Jesus inviting you to be with him? And we may sense a challenge in us to really be with Jesus because we don't see how that actually props up our hunger for glory. We don't see how that actually feeds a deep desire that exists in us to be famous, to be, to be popular, to be known, when in reality it's the very thing that he wants to do in us is he wants you to be with him, to seek him, so that you can be known, so he can give you the approval and glory that you rightfully deserve. The hungering for glory, for self, ultimately will always fall short apart from seeking it in Jesus. We'll get into that more in a second. Henry Blackaby says this, and I thought this was, uh, this is helpful, and I want to give a, Henry Blackaby wrote, it, like, for the longest time in churches that I've been a part of, so many people used the uh, resource Experiencing God. And I love the idea of, like, how do we experience God in our everyday life? And I've had a lot of conversations with people, even in our church in the last several weeks, of just uh, kind of navigating through life and going, like, I just want to wake up knowing the presence of Jesus with me. I want to go to work knowing the presence of Jesus with me. But it seems like the busyness and chaos of life continues to drown it out. And Henry Blackaby says this, and I want to, I want to speak this a little bit further because I kind of wrestled when I first heard this quote. But it says, Jesus taught that your highest priority must be your relationship with him. Okay? I don't think anybody would question that. Jesus taught our highest priority must be your relationship with him. If anything detracts you from that relationship, that activity is not from God. God will not ask you to do something that hinders your relationship with him. Now, I begin to like play the devil's advocate in this, and I go, well, um, I, work can easily hinder my relationship with God. That kind of gets in, in, in the way, right? Like, so if work is detracting me from my relationship with God, that activity is not from God. I'm like, I shouldn't work. Well, okay, we got to play this out a little further, right? Nobody go and quit your jobs this afternoon. I think what we need to discover is how do we, the way in which we're going about experiencing God in our work needs to, to be processed through. If we think about, like, it, are, are we totally putting, like, God on the shelf and going into the workplace and, and then, like, hey, I'll, I'll see you tomorrow morning? Or is, it some, is there a way in which that God can be with us in our work? That God can be with us in our homes. That God can be with us in our relationships. That God can be with us in our task, in our responsibilities. 
And it's not necessarily that the activity is sinful, although I think we can question. But maybe the way in which we go about that activity and how we, we seek Jesus in the midst of that. I know a lot of people who, you know, it's like, that's easy for you to say, Justin, you're a pastor. You know, like, you just read the Bible all day and that's your job. I wish, that's, that'd be awesome. But I know a lot of people who work in secular fields and in worldly professions, and in the midst of that, Jesus is near to them. Jesus is present with them. And I think that's the question we have to ask is, do you see Jesus inviting you to be with him in your workplace, in your home, in your neighborhood? How are you desiring to experience greater intimacy with Jesus this year? To lay aside your glory, to seek his. The last thing I'll say is this, is see Jesus. See Jesus. And then we're going to pray together this morning. In John 7, 24, we we have this whole story that Jesus begins to uh, discuss with them about the idea of circumcision, which is obviously a challenging word for a nine-year-old to say four times as he's reading the text. But um, he's describing this idea, and he talks about the law. And this is where Jesus, the way one commentator put it is, you see the shell, but you don't see the substance. And that's what he says in verse 724. Do not judge by appearances, but judge with right judgment. It's this idea of truly seeing. He's like... uh, Wes, we keep going back to this because Wes had a seven-point sermon a few months ago that's like, they missed it. Wasn't that it? What was the point? Yeah. It's like, they, they totally missed the point. They missed the idea. They missed it. They missed it. And they, here they are again, once again, missing it. And I think as we kind of walk through this, I go, man, how am I missing it? How am I not judging with right judgment? And it's easy to put ourselves in the story of, of being like, I'm on the side of Jesus. And instead, I'm going, I'm actually coming to Jesus with my own agendas, my own beliefs, my own understanding of who I believe Jesus to be. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm seeing the shell, but not the substance. What Jesus comes and he begins to describe is, he's like, you're making a big deal about the law and about healing of a man and all we can perceive is that this is going back to John chapter 5 when he healed the man on the Sabbath, the man at the pool of Bethesda. He heals this man at the pool of Bethesda and obviously it caused a great commotion. And it, yet Jesus here says you circumcise on the Sabbath and that has specific purposes and meaning as well. But he said it's interesting that while you, you focus on such minimal healing, I heal the wholeness of a man. And that's where he talks about the whole body. If you read that, there's a description in that passage that talks about where he says, you circumcise a man, and if on the Sabbath a man receives circumcision so that the law of Moses, are you angry with me because on Sabbath I made a whole body well? 
He's like, not just one part of a man, but the whole body is what I came to do. And they don't see it. And I just wonder where we minimize Jesus. Where we think that Jesus is about this, and he actually wants to do so much more. Do we see him? Do you hear him? Do you seek him? Do you see him? One commentator said, if you truly heard, if you truly sought after Jesus, if you truly uh, saw Jesus, you only have a few options. You assassinate him because he challenges everything you believe. You flee him or you submit to him. Tim Keller said, now here's the test. The test is when I say to an average person who sits in church, comes to church, or claims to be Christian, tell me about your life and how you relate to Jesus. Imagine us sitting across the table and I was like, hey, tell me about your walk with Jesus. Tell me about your relationship with Jesus. What does that look like? Is that flourishing? He says, most everyone I know is moderate. They're not scouring the Bible every day to find out what his will is for them. They're not examining their lives and chucking the things that they're going to harm Christ and displease him and adding the things he wants. They're not taking all of their resources, all their time, all their money, all their talents, and putting them utterly at his disposal. They're not wrestling to push all of his values into every part of their lives publicly and privately. They're not wrestling in prayer every day until they just see his face because that's more than that that's more because that's what they want more than anything else. No, most people have a Christ who says, "Just try your best. I'll be there for when you fall down." And he said, anyone who is moderate in his reaction to Jesus Christ is reacting to a fictitious picture of who Jesus is. They don't truly see him. Because if you saw him, you would submit all of your life to him. He said you would sell body and soul and serve him. How you see Jesus, how you hear Jesus, how you seek Jesus changes how you posture yourself with him. So we've talked about this idea of not wanting to miss Jesus, wanting to hear from Jesus, seeking Jesus, wanting to see Jesus. The question is, is how are we actually going to do that this year? And so I want to get super practical. Um, I'll give you two things that are directly from the text, and then we're going to spend the remainder of sermon time. I kept it short on purpose because I want us to pray. I want us to spend 10, 12 minutes really praying through this together because uh, there is an aspect of this that can't be fostered in our life because of our willpower. To want what God wants, to will what God wills, is the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our life. And so to truly desire Jesus, to truly seek Jesus, to truly want to behold Jesus is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that I can't create with 
fashioning of words here this morning, but of us just coming before him and saying we need him. And so uh, we're, we're going to do that together. Psalm 27, 4 that, that we've wrestled with uh, over the last several weeks as, uh, as pastors and then with our leadership team is, is a theme that we really want to present to our church as, as our hope and heart for where we want our church to be this year. Uh, on Christmas Day, I actually preached a sermon uh, from Psalm 27.4. And Psalm 27.4 says this, One thing I have asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. One thing means that we got to say no to some other things. That there is one thing we're seeking. There is one thing we're after that we're dwelling in the house of the Lord, that we're abiding with the Lord, that we're with the Lord, that we're asking of the Lord, that we're inquiring of the Lord, that we're seeking of the Lord. And so the idea is like, how do we do do that? How How do we get to a place where there is truly one thing we're after, one thing we're seeking, one thing we want to stare at, one thing we want to gaze at. And I'll give you this quote, and then we're going to pray. John Piper says, If you wanted to develop a love for the glory of classical music, you would study it, you'd spend time talking with people who love it, and you would listen, listen, and listen. If you wanted to develop a love For the glory of visual art, you would study it. You'd go to museums and spend time with those who love it. And you would look and look and look. If you wanted to develop a love for the glory of the sky, you would get a telescope. You'd read astronomy and you would spend time with people who love the stars. And night by night, you would gaze and gaze and gaze. And if you want to love the glory of God above all other glories, then you will study God and spend time with lovers of God and listen to God, and look at God, and gaze, and gaze, and gaze at the revelation of the glory of God. That's the type of church we want to be. I hope that when people come and they gather with us, they would be, this is a people who love God. This is a people who are seeking after God. This is a people that desire to hear from the Lord, seek the Lord, desire to see the Lord, and are all about his glory. So we're going to pray that together this morning. There's three prayers uh, that we're going to pray through. A prayer for hearing, a prayer for seeking, and a prayer for seeing. And so we're going to take a few moments on each one of these and uh, just begin. And so I've kind of put some prompts on the screen for us to pray. We're going to play some music underneath so we just aren't distracted this morning. But we're going to spend some time actually seeking the Lord together this morning. Figure there's not a better way for us to to just pause for his glory to be made known and revealed in our life. I'll read a passage and then uh, let's go to that first prayer, prayer for hearing. In Isaiah 55, 1 through 3, it says, Come, everyone who thirst, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without price. 
Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and labor for that which does not satisfy? Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in rich food. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. So that's what I want us to to pray through. And so um, to thank the Lord for his passion for being heard. He desires to be heard. He's got something to say to us. We want to hear it. Pray that God's voice will rise above the noise of this world. Pray that God will cut through the haunting voice of our shame. Pray that God's voice will have more authority than our fears. Pray that you would experience courage, boldness, and wisdom. I'm just going to let you continue to read through these and just pray silently there in your seat. And the best way you know how, voice a prayer to God that you could truly hear from him this year. We're going to have some music playing and you can respond. Father, we thank you that you speak to us. We thank you that you desire and long to communicate with your children. Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice and be obedient to your voice, to your calling on our lives this next year. I pray that we would experience boldness and courage in our life because we know it is you who spoke it to us. Lord, there are a lot of voices. We want to hear yours. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your teaching. We want to know what you desire for us. We want to know what it is that you want us to walk in. We want to know what it is that you want us to step into. Lord, help us be faithful to your voice. Help us to be obedient to your voice. And I pray that your voice would be often. Lord, let us not go days, years, months without hearing from you. Lord, we pray and ask that you would speak. In Jesus' name, amen. A prayer for seeking. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. What a gift that he can be found. So we're going to take a moment and pray. And we're going to thank the Lord that he can be found. We can thank the Lord that he seeks us. Pray that you would know Jesus more. Pray that you would experience a renewal of relationship with Jesus as you seek him. Pray that you would experience intimacy with Jesus. I'll give you a few moments to do that silently. We thank you, Lord, that you are seeking after us. Lord, when our desires are not your desires, when our will is not your will, you pursued us. When we were in our our sins, you sought us. You sought to redeem us. You sought to save us. And Lord, now that we know you as friend, I pray that we would seek you, that we would seek after you, that we would know what a friend we have in Jesus. What an amazing relationship we have with Jesus. So Lord, I pray that this year would be an opportunity for us to know you in a more intimate, in a deeper way 
than we have ever known you before. I pray that we would experience your daily engagement in our life as we go to work, as we engage in relationship, as we participate with friends and neighbors. Lord, may we know your presence with us, that you're not far. You're very near. So Lord, may we know that. May we live that. Amen. And lastly, uh, a prayer for seeing. As in Psalm 27, 4, it says, One thing I've asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. That's our heart, is to truly gaze upon him, to truly see him. And so we want to thank the Lord this morning for the ability to see Jesus with unveiled eyes that we pray that we would continue to see Jesus clearly, that our eyes would be filled with his beauty, that we would be changed by what we see, that we would remove any distorted views of Jesus, that the Bible would portray vivid images of Jesus, and that we would see his beauty as the most satisfying experience. That's our heart. Let's pray that together silently. Father, our desire is to not miss you. We want to see you. We want to experience you. Lord, you showed up in this passage in the middle of a feast, in the middle of a celebration. I don't know where you might show up in our lives this week, but we want to be ready. We want to be able to see you. We don't want to miss you. So, Lord, when you do, I pray that we hear from you. I pray that we understand we don't see the shell. We see the substance of who it is that comes, that speaks to us with such authority, with such power. Lord, help us to behold your glory. Father, I pray for Church of the Valley 2023. I pray that we would be a church that hears, seeks, and sees Jesus that we would know you, that we would behold you. We pray and ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen.